Hello and welcome to Euractiv's Agri-Food Podcast. I'm Natasha Foote. And I'm Gerardo Fortuna. And here's your weekly update on all things agriculture and food in the EU from Euractiv's Agri-Food News team. So, Gerardo, last week we said that there was somewhat of a ruckus, if you remember, between the commissioner and the farming community. I'd say there was something else this week that caused quite a ruckus. Yeah, and uh, ruckus the, second, the second ruckus in a row. Yeah, the it's second uh, ruckus. Gosh. Uh, yeah, I mean it was a uh, quite expected ruckus because it was well. about something that actually um, we actually enjoyed this debate in in the past two years because mm. we covered that a lot. What debate um, are we talking about here? We're talking about ah, it, they changed the name. It's no longer new breeding techniques. Now uh, the communication of the commission uh, talk about new genomic techniques, mm-hmm. NGTs. So it's uh, another name for what we you can normally find on our website as labeled as gene editing. We kind of we almost need a dictionary. I feel like yeah. to, to get through all these different terms. Yeah, it's um, Tash. You're the biologist of the of the duo, so uh, <laughs> let's talk about. <laughs> you can you can introduce the topic and and uh, you know. Can I? Show Thank you. Off. Yeah, your your show off my knowledge back in a former life when I was studying biology. Um, yeah, well, we're talking about gene editing, as you already said, new plant breeding techniques, gene editing, um, you know, which is basically a form of genetic modification. So we had these kind of, you know, the first GMOs, as as we would speak about, genetically modified organisms, um, they're kind of what lots of people think of when you think of GMOs. And these new kind of gene edited um, organisms, the idea is that, you know, they're created with much more kind of specific technology. Um, people talk about these kind of like genetic scissors that make these, you know, precise kind of changes in a genome and then also critically you know it's not a transfer of genes between species it's all happening within a species so that's kind of the difference we're talking about here of gene editing compared to maybe conventional gmos um genetically modified organisms that we would have spoken about in the past and so you know the, the idea has been for a long time you know there's been this big question of should these kind of new genomic techniques be considered in the same way as genetically modified organisms as we've seen in in the past and we have on one side the industry you know really pushing for the use of gene edited crops saying no it's not the same thing it's not the same uh, concept you know it has these different benefits and they should be considered and on the other side you know we have uh, a lot of the kind of the more more environmental campaigners but also also a lot of farmers, um, you know, expressing concerns about the use of this technology and saying that, no, it should be regulated and considered in exactly the same way as uh, as GMOs. And at a certain point, something happened. Uh, it was actually a ruling from uh, the European Court of Justice mm. that uh, shocked the industry. Um, at the same time, surprised the commission. And this... Uh, ECJ ruling uh, basically stated that uh, organisms obtained by by mutagenesis, plant breeding techniques, so basically the one that Tash um, was talking about before, should be considered GMOs and, of course, should in principle fall under the GMO directive, which is a huge directive uh, sealed in 1919. And um, and this, of course, was quite. I mean, the industry uh, reacted uh, against 
this ruling because uh, it was conceived as a, as a way to halt uh, the development of this innovation. Mm-hmm. And for actually two and a half years, there was this this um, mm, constant uh, back and yeah. forth, <laughs> constant debate. And at a certain point, again, this is uh, the other uh, main character of the of our uh, story. Um, the council steps in and asked the commission to provide with uh, some legal clarity, let's say, or at least to trying to uh, reduce the um, the legal uh, uncertainty behind the gene editing. Which actually ended up making a lot of uncertainty about <laughs> what this study was, about what the point of it was, about what the outcome was going to be. Um, so ironically, the study to clarify the situation, you know, yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. Cost all kinds of that's money. true. That's true. <laughs> and uh, and finally, I mean, it, it, it happened in uh, April 2020. Uh, yeah, and finally, the commission came up with the study, uh, which was published on uh, Thursday, a much-awaited study. And what the commission uh, found out, uh, Natasha? Well, actually. Very controversially, the the study, the main points from the study that were kind of really interesting was that it concluded that the current legal framework governing new genomic techniques was insufficient. And the study also indicated that um, that new policy instruments should be considered um, with the idea to kind of reap the benefits of this technology. So it, it highlighted that this technology has a lot of potential, especially in contributing to the aims of the EU's uh, environmental flagship policy, the European Green Deal, which involves obviously the, uh, the farm to fork strategy. And so, yeah, you know, they were saying that there's sufficient evidence and scientific basis to to start up a kind of policy action on these plants from new genomic techniques. So this was really celebrated as, as quite a win from the from the agri industry side, but also flagged so many concerns from environmental campaigners um, and uh, other quarters. It really caused a lot of controversy this week. I mean, it, it, one thing that it's important to highlight about this uh, report is that actually the commission finally uh, takes a formal stance in favor of genetically. I mean, um, of course, I mean, it's not something that came as a surprise. Uh, I remember uh, the former um, EU Health Commissioner, uh, Vitenis Andriukaitis, mm. uh, he wrote an op-ed on your active like two years ago, and he was super in favor of, uh, of this uh, uh, kind of innovation mm. uh, applied to, to food production. So particularly the Digisante, the food safety service of the European Commission, has always been, let's say, in face, slightly leaning in favor. Toward. Yeah, leaning toward. Slightly in favor. Uh, but the other interesting aspect is that uh, they basically linked this kind of innovation to the possibility to reach uh, some of the sustainability targets that mm-hmm. are set in, in the farm to fork strategy and in the Green Deal uh, in general, which you know what it means. It basically, you know, when the commission says that something could help in reaching the Green Deal targets, it means, yes, we like that. Mm. So it's, um, in this sense, we can see the commission, uh, although it doesn't have to be impartial, because, I mean, when you have the legislative initiative, you need to take stance. And uh, and it seems that actually the policymaker, the European Commission, seems... Hmm. quite in favor of uh, taking this uh, policy action. 
Yeah, although it's also led to a lot of questions. I mean, the study also doesn't question this legal ruling that we were talking about. It doesn't, you know, go against that. It's also led to a lot of questions on, uh, I mean, this is going to be a topic we're going to be discussing for years, years. <laughs> the foreseeable future. Led to a lot of questions about how, whether the commission would look to prioritize only certain kinds of crops that are produced with certain kinds of traits, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, this is the thing that actually the industry liked the most of the study. Yeah. This uh, targeted approach. Mm. Uh, if I, I think that uh, either selective or targeted was the the wording used by the commission in uh, yeah. um, a letter attached to the the study that it was sent to the council, which is mm-hmm. basically the one that asked this study. Um, and uh, yeah, indeed, it's. Um, in, in um, a new official, and we reported this, uh, was asked if this will lead to reopening the, the huge GMO directive. And uh, mm. uh, the EU official basically said, no, uh, we're trying to uh, take a look into the most promising uh, technique. So it's, uh, it's a selective approach, which is basically the opposite of what those who are against gene editing uh, are arguing, which is basically they all GMOs. Mm. Uh, so even in this um, targeted approach, you can see a kind of preference uh, from the commission. But again, doesn't mean anything because the commission can only kick off, can only start uh, legislative procedure. But in the end, uh, the real lawmakers are the European Parliament and the uh, the council and uh, in the European Parliament we have uh, a lot of MEPs that are actually mm-hmm. against. Uh, we actually have some some guests today. We do indeed. Talking of MEPs that are against, <laughs> we uh, yeah we spoke to um, Green MEP Tilly Nets to hear her take and her reaction to the study. Mutagenesis, so-called new genomic techniques, are also genetic manipulations and should be considered as such. So I think the same strict EU rules regarding the precautionary principle and the labelling should be applied here. That's why I'm very disappointed that the Commission only listens to one group of scientists to make his conclusions and now wants to adapt the legislation for these gene editing techniques. The seed industry, like Bayer, is certainly happy about this conclusion. But as a member of the European Parliament defending the interests and demands of the citizens, I am not. And I see it as my duty and my deep conviction to emphasize that the agroecology is more the right solution for a sustainable agriculture and to reach the targets of the farm-to-fork strategy rather than the empty, until now, promises of the GMO industry, which will only conduct to more pesticides-tolerant plants. And we also listened to what uh, another MEP was actually more in favor of this uh, NGTs uh, has to say. Uh, we talked to um, Herbert Dorfman, who's uh, an Italian MEP and who's also the agriculture spokesperson for the um, center right European People's Party. New genomic techniques uh, can be a tool which uh, can help farmers. Uh, to farm in a more sustainable way 
um, if we want to reach the uh, objectives of the farm to fork strategy, so have less uh, use less pesticides, maybe also use less uh, fertilizers, we need to have more resistant plants and new genomic techniques are uh, important on this path. Therefore, I welcome the approach uh, of the Commission. Mm -hmm. uh, legislation needs to follow innovation. We also collected some uh, comments, some reactions uh, from uh, the other stakeholders, not only from uh, policymakers. Uh, we contacted uh, Euroseeds, the association of uh, uh, the, the seed industry in Europe, uh, who were actually the first to, <laughs> it's actually the first comments that came into my mailbox was from Euroseed yesterday. It was super quick and rapid. Rapid. And, and <laughs> that's why they deserved a mention in, uh, in our podcast. And uh, that'd be a lesson to everyone. <laughs> first come, first serve. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Well, why not? I mean. yeah. And we spoke with uh, Garling von Hessen, who's the uh, Director General of uh, Euroseeds. Euroseeds very much welcomes the conclusions of the Commission study on novel genomic techniques. It is based on its findings uh, that the Commission and Member States are now called upon to urgently work for a more differentiated approach to products coming from those innovative plant breeding methods. The study very much underlines that plants coming from NGTs have the potential to hugely contribute to a more sustainable food system and with that can become part of the objectives of the European Green Deal and the farm to fork strategy. The study also finds that the current legislation adopted back in 2001 and now 20 years old is no longer fit for purpose for these new innovative technologies. The study itself is the result of an extensive consultation with very different stakeholders and member states. As Euroseeds, we provide a detailed input to this consultation, underlining the industry's views that a change of the regulatory framework is needed to allow for a differentiated legal and, of course, also practical approach to products coming from innovative plant breeding methods, similar to post other parts of the world, actually. Europe's seed sector, as well as farmers and other partners from the agri-food chain uh, and the plant science community, have repeatedly underlined the importance and the urgency of this subject for the future of a more sustainable agriculture and food production, especially in support of the ambitious targets set in the EU's farm-to-fork and biodiversity strategy. The fact that the European Commission has been able to conclude the study, despite pandemic and the restrictions, in time with the expectations of council, to me already underlines that there is a clear realization of the importance and the urgency of this subject. So we now hope that the publication of the study will allow Europe to bring its more than 20 year old legislation in line with scientific progress. The study is an opportunity and that opportunity should not be missed. Commission and member states must now act and must avoid undue lengthy processes. We are looking forward as European seed industry to engage in this discussion. Now the results in the study are out and now they can be turned into concrete proposals for concrete policy change in the coming weeks and months. 
And we also spoke to Eric Gall, who is the Deputy Director of iFoam Organics Europe, so that's the EU's Organics Association, to hear their take as well on this report. We are not really surprised uh, that the Commission uh, says that it would be justified to have a new legal framework uh, for new genetic engineering techniques, but still, uh, we find it quite baffling that the Commission envisages to jeopardize the development of existing agronomic practices that are put forward by its own farm-to-fork strategy to, uh, uh, to make room for untested genetic modification technologies which have a track record of unfulfilled promises. It is striking that the Commission does not have any solid argument to back up their conclusion that it would be justified to develop a specific legal framework for GMOs made with new genetic engineering techniques. Let's look at the argument. First, on the benefits. The, the Commission report claims uh, that uh, uh, using these new techniques in agriculture and food uh, will contribute to the Green Deal and to the objectives of a farm-to-fork strategy. But these benefits are, are only based on very vague assumptions, uh, but uh, uh, are not backed up by any uh, uh, serious uh, study. And when we see uh, the track record of GMOs as they were developed in the last 20 years, uh, we can clearly see they have not contributed to sustainability in any way. On the contrary, most of them are herbicide tolerant crops, which have led to uh, increased herbicide use, such as glyphosate. If we look at the argument about the, the need for an adapted risk assessment, well, here as well, you do not need to change the legislation for that. Uh, you can adapt uh, risk assessment uh, through updating the guidelines developed by the European Food Safety Authority. So it's not an argument either to change the legislation. Then DJ Sante highlights the fact that it will be a challenge to detect uh, certain organisms or products developed uh, with these new techniques. But what I would like to say is it's not because you're not looking at something that it doesn't exist, in the sense that it should be the Commission's task to develop to invest in research projects, to develop detection strategies for these new GMOs, like the Commission did uh, 20 years ago. Uh, uh, it funded research projects uh, uh, to ensure that we had uh, reliable uh, uh, detection methods uh, for a solid uh, traceability system. And, and the Commission does not seem to envisage any action uh, in this direction, unfortunately. But still, the fact that uh, they, they are not in a position right now to properly implement in all cases the current legislation is certainly not an excuse to get rid of it. And I think it's important to remind that the current legislation does not ban the use of GMOs. Quite the contrary. Uh, there are more than 80 GMOs uh, approved for import and use on the European uh, market. So if some applications of a new Genetic engineering technologies have some merits. Well, you know, they need to be risk assessed. They could be authorized and then the market uh, will decide uh, if they are interesting uh, or not. But here as well, it's not an argument uh, to change the current legal framework. The organic food and farming movement uh, calls on uh, ministers, both environment and agriculture ministers uh, in the EU, to be responsible and to maintain the current legal framework and ensure that it applies to all genetic engineering techniques, uh, old and new. 
If you would like more information, you can visit organicseurope.bio uh, website. So that's all from us this week. And this week, Your Actives Agri-Food podcast was produced as every week by Your Actives Agri-Food team, Natasha Foote and Gerardo Fortuna, with the support of our podcast producer, Evie Chiori. And you can also find this podcast on all major streaming platforms that includes Amazon, Apple, Spotify and Stitcher. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss the latest agricultural news in the EU. I'm Gerardo Fortuna. Thanks for listening and see you next week.